we own that that house it's wealthy money and I, I was like you know what and that was the thing that made me stay in the relationship probably the next big deal was I was like I can't live without him I can't afford to live without him and then I was like once you it might be overdue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's the thing about being comfortable. I have these theories about being comfortable. On occasion, I imagine, or I like to think that one day I'll be able to fantasize about having my own home and owning a couple of cats. Um, yay, cats. Um, but I really believe, like, the greatest growth you can give yourself is when you're in the midst of change. Oh, when you embrace that chaos and you can breathe through it and then welcome it, um, I'm balls deep in the abyss if there's change. Yeah. Well, there's um, it's uh, I used to read a lot of tarot cards, and there are some whenever the devil comes up, or whenever death comes up, or whenever the tower comes up, they seem very scary because the tower's like everything's falling apart and falling off this tower and everything's breaking, but that means that change takes yeah. and the same thing with death death doesn't mean death it means death of something and change and growth yeah and a birth and so it isn't necessarily terrible i think the worst card in the tarot deck is the hanged man when he's upside down because you're in a place of powerlessness mm. where you're not feeling like you have options to change because you're hanging in disbelief and in like stuck and not able to in get a down rut. Yeah, in a rut, exactly. What about uh, Nine of Swords? I remember that one being kind of tough. Well, although Nine, because um, Nine is the, is almost the end of a journey. Ten would be the completion of a larger journey, whereas Nine is like, I'm almost there. But then Swords are also um, like an air, a fire sign. So it's about like, God, what is... I'm trying to remember. Tell me, what, what do you think I mean? I remember that I owned um, a tarot car, uh, some tarot cards. I did some reading for party favor, like part like a party favor. Yeah. But um, to be honest, I kind of got good at it, and occasionally I kind of spooked myself. Ooh. Ooh. So I'm not terribly um, suspicious, but I just know that the artistry on the tarot cards were beautiful. Yeah. And when the Nine of Swords came up, it was always, you know, something um, scary or negative, and the visuals of just these nine swords sticking into a cardboard box. Ooh. <laughs> really well, that's yeah. about, I think that it's about self-sacrifice to get to the end of the journey, because ten is means that you've brought something to the table, and especially if it's from a place of passion, swords um, represent that. Fear and anxiety. Ooh. You have a lot of fear and anxiety? Um, No. Good. I used to, and I try not to make decisions out of fear. Oh, that's pathetic. Not making decisions out of fear. Got to put that in my face. Well, <coughs> I went through a lot, so I, I do have post-traumatic stress. Oh. Um, that's one. Actually, it's CPT, <laughs> CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress. Um, if you would have met me before I did comedy, I was riddled with depression mm. and I had depression um, working was a huge coping mechanism for me and so I just was doing the bare minimum and I was like oh, I don't know what to do I don't know what to do 
yeah, just work, 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 work. Because yeah. if you throw yourself into something and don't necessarily have to think about yourself, if you're focusing on, you know, right projects, jobs, jobs. But um, comedy has really helped me recover my life and minimize my my symptoms without. Um, and I've I've done some therapy and a lot of research and about origin of like um, PTSD and stuff. Um, but it was really when I decided that I was going to chase my happiness, uh, you know, and it was really a desperate, depressive time when I started comedy. Um, but then it became like this beautiful, beautiful thing that was just every time I get on the mic, I felt like that was like a, a visual cue for me for my life being reclaimed. That's right. And you have a you have a thing coming up. You have a comedy sketch that you're running. What's going on? Oh, it is true. Um, well, turns out you don't have to register with the state to start a church. Wow. So I've started a church. It's called Vicarious Traumas um, Church of Comedy. Vicarious Traumas Church of Comedy. Yes. Can people find you online? Um, the online presence is going to kick off April Fool's. Fantastic. And it's not an April Fool's. It's real. That's what the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really a, it's like a faith thing sure. <laughs> like whatever you believe <laughs> so are you gonna have speakers that are gonna be comedians oh ab i would i mean i hope so um absolutely i have a number of people that are interested in contributing to content and i want to hear people's stories because when i talk to them privately comedy has changed a lot of people's lives yeah. for the better and yeah. it's really helped them and um you know, there's like a redemption that happens when you have a good set. And that feeling of identity when people are surrounding you laughing, but in a good way. Sure. I mean, that's really rewarding. They're not laughing at me. They're laughing with me. Cause, and because I've, I've somehow cultivated that empathy. It's not that, like, they're laughing at me because I'm stupid or did something weird. It's who's asking for the attention and I'm reciprocating. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important. Well, when I started comedy, like how I many didn't years ago did you start? <laughs> I started uh, last summer. Oh, okay. So, so I'm, not even I'm on my eighth month, I think. All right. But I was doing 26 open mics a month and traveling three to four towns a week. Wow. Okay. So whereas, um, uh, and I actually started in Reno like oh seven years, seven or eight years ago. Wow. But just a couple, a couple times. You know John Gallagher from back then. Sounds very familiar. John Gallagher lives here now. No way. Yeah, but he came from he came from Reno. He, he's a great comic. He um, he used to run the Tuesday night at OMG. Now he doesn't anymore. But he's around Mutiny Radio quite a bit. He's a great comic. Really, really funny. And he's from uh, Reno. From Reno. Yeah. He is, and his wife Deanna is another great comic. Well, I'm sure I've seen him. So a lot has changed. There is when I when when I was doing comedy, it was a place called the Waterfall. And now it's called the library, oh. um, which is just a funny name for a bar. Yeah, I go to the library. I like the when they call a bar the office, so that <laughs> um, so that men or anybody can say, "Oh, I'm late at the I'm staying late at the office." And it's so true. And it it's so true, and it sounds yeah. funny. Staying late at the office. So I, I had started a long time ago. However, um, I went through um, a domestic violence situation. Mm -hmm. I was actually a um, criminal justice major, and before I had entered in these relationships, so shortly after my seven years of the 
being single, I had just met the wrong one, and I was completely engaged. Uh, so um, after seven years of celibacy, found this person that threw himself into a marriage. <laughs> well, he was losing his spot, and I said, well, I have a four-bedroom, two-bath. Come stay with me. And then when it wasn't working out, I was like, you know what? We can still date, but this isn't really working out. And that's when kind of things took a turn for the horrific. And oh I will no. say horrific. So um, I know, but the great thing is, is that I survived. Him, you were still providing him a place to live? Oh, no. I just left my apartment, like surrendered the apartment, left my apartment, drove to California. Wow. Yeah. It was very serious. Wow. So – I had broken bones over it. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Wow, that's – and so you just said, I'm out of here. Um, yeah. Uh, but it was so much harder you, than that. Protect him? Yes. Good. But here's the thing. It, is, it was so much harder than I thought to leave, and part of that was because what people can't really – well, a lot of people don't understand that when people commit – um, violence against you, especially repeatedly and viciously, um, that the victim's brain re rewires to a primal state and where it fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, which are the survival responses. And so um, your mind is working against you. It's, it was very, um, what is that called? Um, Munchausen? Stock Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Munch uh, Munchausen by proxy is when you poison the other person because you are you oh like to yeah. take care of them. Yes, that's different. But um, so you know, I've and and there's definite truth and uh, wisdom in like the cycle of violence and everything, and you have to check your own codependency and your ideals of relationships and things like that. But truly, this guy was like a suspected murderer. Like this wow. guy was next level. So charming, but charming. But so you you jumped ship. Oh, yeah, and it was a, the best decision I'd ever made. But, um, you know, usually when I jump ship for anything, it's like a great decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was completely unplanned, and um, I went through – I had to, like, kind of put my brain back together, and sure. it definitely took some time. The verdict's still out if it happens. I, I'm very pleased with the results. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, especially – extricating yourself from a relationship and trying to figure out am I myself without this relationship? What is it? There's an intimacy that occurs during violence, you mm -hmm. know, and abuse. And and it's funny, like, you learn things like childhood trauma actually manifests itself in your adult relationships and things like that. But it also, um, it's it was just really, it took a lot of hard work and I'm just really thankful that I've always been really self-analytical. So it really helped helped with my recovery. Yeah. So I'm not into douchebags, nothing like that. Oh, I like love guys with things to say. I have like a little fetish for guys with things to say. It's weird. All right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. I like bad boys. Oh, I know. Vegan. I know. On occasion. Yeah. On occasion, I might dabble. Yeah. But, um, yeah, very consciously aware. Yeah, I'm you know. terrible. The, the people I'm attracted to are like, Drug addicts, alcoholics, people who've been to jail, people with like severe baggage. Well, like I like that because it somehow gives me the opportunity to save the people who have, right? And to like, you know, help them somehow it become better. I also like, like, 
I feel like I feel like if guys are older than me, they're just gonna try to teach me something, and I'm like, nah. And I also don't like I also don't like the dynamic of equality. I like to be the person who does it. I really, I was raised by my grandparents, and so I usually take like a submissive role. But like I really enjoy you know equality. I'm totally for it. And um, in fact, when <laughs> I don't know if I should tell this story, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> so um, when I came out of that relationship, it was so bad that I was in I had a horrible job, and I was enforcing contracts from the 90s for a security company. I would call people up and I'd say, remember that contract that you signed a decade or so ago? Well, guess what? Um, it auto-renewed, and you owe us five grand. I'm so sorry. <laughs> wow, yeah. And so one day, I got on the phone with someone, and, and I'm a really great person breaking bad news to good people all day. Um, but one person got on the phone and said, dude, this and that, he was using. Oh, you can swear. Oh, okay. You fucking bitch. Like, I'm going to fucking come to your office and this and that. And you work for a piece of shit company. And he was just raging. And I looked around. And this was two weeks after I got out of that relationship. I looked around. And I was like, holy shit, I'm hot as fuck right now. Like, should I get this guy's number? Wow. And then I was wow, you were positively triggered by a person who was verbally abusing you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a perspective. That's, a, that's amazing that you were able in that moment to take a step back yeah. and take a step forward and analyze that situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the wherewithal to do that in my life. <laughs> You'd be like, let's, let's yeah, date Yeah, what's your number, man? buddy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but I was like, you know what? This is not my kink. This is not, this is not me. And I think the next week or two, I went to, um, I was looking at um, this Berkeley University paper because I was like, here, you know what? I, I lived in Berkeley when I was 18 for about a year. And I was like, you know what? I'm sure they're going to offer some really unique insights in the um, BDSM, those kinds of things, right? Because I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's up with Alex. Right. <laughs> and no, I didn't call him. <laughs> no, good. Good for um, you. But, but you felt that seed. And that yeah. triggered something in you to say, wow, that is hot. No. Right. <laughs> well, no, that turned me on in some way. And yeah. then to think, and like, that's well, not okay. why does that? Why? Why? And, yeah. and there's an empowerment with BDSM, and, and there's things that are going on. And I can't, I'm not in a place of judgment at all. Um, it's, it's really about consent. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, and safe words. Right. And so. Um, I think that actually BDSM is the one of the safest ways that you can have sex because everything is, if you're doing it right, everything is laid out ahead of time. You know exactly what's going to happen. There are no surprises. And if there is a surprise, you have a safe word. And hmm. you just say it, and the person respects you, and it's that easy. I feel like because it's so consent-based, and they're hardcore on consent, that it feels, it can feel even safer. Right. And I, I, I think there's, I mean, that's such an important topic to talk about, too, is consent. You know, I definitely like to make jokes about it to try to open up this door. Well, I've learned a lot about consent because I didn't realize that um, I've had potentially sexually coded periods with behavior. Don't word up. <laughs> but I, I didn't realize for years because I, because in the 90s, when like at the beginning, at the height of my sexuality, I'm older than you, but when I was in college in the early 90s and even in the late 80s in high school, uh, the, the way women were treated was so, 
<laughs> going to a hip hop club in the '90s was basically sexual abuse. Like you were gonna, right? People were gonna come up behind you and they were gonna stick their hard dick up against you and they weren't gonna make eye contact and they weren't gonna ask you if it was okay to dance with you. They were just gonna start rubbing up on you all night, and you, all night, and you know, every night. But but that was the thing is that in going to a hip hop club in L.A. and Koreatown in the '90s, you knew that's what you were signing up for. It was almost like consent before consent. Like everybody knew that in going to this place that these kinds of things are the things that are going to happen. You're not a- asking to get raped in the bathroom, but people are definitely sure. going to come up and do things that you didn't give the permission for. The climate was different. The climate was different. And so when I decided to sort of rail against that in the late 90s and early 1000s, even into the late, I mean, I've been in, I've touched people, I've touched people inappropriately without their consent. I used to play a game called grab ass with <laughs> people at bars where I would grab guys' ass and I'd point at my friend and be like, hey, look at me, look at her. And she would do the same thing and be like, look at her over there. It's not me. And now I look back and I'm like, I was just sexually assaulting a little girl. <laughs> but right. I didn't know that at the time. Right. At <laughs> yeah, it's because true. Of the, because of the climate that I grew up in, I was like, well, feminism now, we can do this. This has been happening to me for years. And now with feminism, it's my turn to start doing it back. Now I'm like, oh, that was probably not, that was a little too yeah. And now I've ha- yeah. and now I've learned to ask for consent from people before because I'm a, I'm a, I can be a real touchy feely flirty person, and I, I definitely I am like I'm a hugger, you know, and I just I forget I forget myself, but you know I don't really cater I, I don't really cater who I am to other people, but when it comes to touching their bodies, it's worth a thought, right? It's worth a thought. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. But it it definitely made me investigate BDSM. I had never really. Uh, explored that actually still to this day so um but i've read about it and talked to people about it those kinds of things i've had friends that are you know in it um and for me it was really about how do i not have this how do i not get turned on when i meet someone that's probably dangerous and violent you know what i mean because right. when you're in an abusive relationship, a lot of women don't understand these psychological concepts, so they'll be de- uh, dolphining in and out of relationships um, and experiencing the same thing. Sure. And I didn't want to do that. So right. I had to take a break uh, a couple years off, and it worked. I'm not yeah. into that shit. Yeah, the, the dynamic that I, I is that I, uh, I try to take care of people and mother them then I get sort of angry if my care and attention isn't reciprocated. But when I go into these things, I kind of know that I'm, because I want to be the person in charge, so it's like I'm the caretaker, I'm the provider, I'm the giver. And then I get mad when that isn't mirrored, except that I'm, like, perpetuating this relationship where I'm the one that, like, in this mothering role, even right. though I'm probably just doing but I feel like as far as identity, identity is so much more than just a relationship. I've experienced so much more freedom and have learned, you know, so much about my capabilities uh, out outside of relationships. So, yeah. I mean, that, I mean. Do you have a safe one? What's your safe one? I don't. Mine's cinnamon. Is it really? Yeah, because it's a weird thing to say, and it's not anything that would ever be in the bedroom. Should everyone have a safe word? You know, I think it's a good idea if you're in a sexual relationship with someone, absolutely. Yeah. Just because 
I mean, I always tell people my safe word just in case because if something hurts or I don't like it, I'm going to say cinnamon <laughs> because because <laughs> because no or yes doesn't it, sometimes it, in the context it doesn't have as much meaning as this word that you decide at the beginning. This is the word, and if anything goes awry, stop. Right. It's well, I think it's good just for. I mean, I don't know. I usually just say something if it's that. If it's like that, you know. Um, I'm like, hey, wrong hole, fool. Something. Right. 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 Uh, right. <laughs> like, cinnamon. Cinnamon. <laughs> I don't know. Safe words are fun. Yeah. Because it's fun. But I really, you know, um, a friend and talking about what it meant like to have kind of that attraction unhealthy attraction and what it took for me to kind of get out of it which I still like bad guys like sure like I do you know but I I can't give it any serious thought or time but what I will say is um I feel like there's definitely something psychologically important going on during this type of kink that should be evaluated by the individual participant. Um, because I think getting to know yourself in that experience is really important. Yeah. I'm just so vanilla. I'm, I don't like to <laughs> get myself to move. Because <laughs> I'm uh, in my itch, itch spot. I'm old. I'm 42. Oh, wow. I, I thought know. you were a lot younger than me. So kind. Thank you for that. You have no wrinkles. That's what they say, but I trust I, tr I trust they're there. <laughs> no. Well, also, I'm I'm having macular degeneration, so I can't see the bad bit. Oh, <laughs> that yeah, explains so much. Yeah, I, I'm beer goggling <laughs> myself all the time now. I'm like, oh, is that what I look like? Sure. I can't I can't even pluck my eyebrows anymore because I have to wear, like, my, my bifocals, my reading glasses. Uh, and so I've got to, like, pull them up and pull them down and try to get hairs off my face. I just can't even. Magnifying mirror. That's what you need. Magnifying mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Got really don't want to think about it. Got this. Got this. I'm an old crone now. You're I looking great. I hate right. the word crone. I hate it. But it's that's what Jen knows me about because I'm going to go through menopause and Dorsum and Friday and all that. Oh, that's absolute bullshit. Yeah, I know. But still. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard with the whole. And with all the sex stuff, you'd think it would get easier. And it still got harder. And there's just so much more stuff to teach us. I feel like uh, I just can't. I don't know. I don't. I used to not. I haven't shaved for years and years and years. And I just kind of started again. And I'm like, am I really doing this? Like, what am I doing? You're having fun with your body hair. I, I wish I. I wish that we could all just. Sometimes I'll just protest shaving my legs and stuff and. That's always when I meet someone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna just shave for you. Like, yeah, check yeah. it out. Like, I'm not, I'm not into like swapping my body and stuff. And they're into it. If you find the right person, hell yeah. 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 Oh my god. Yeah. No, I'm seriously thinking about doing, doing a good long vow of celibacy to just sort of like clean out the cobwebs and figure out <laughs> like what I'm, what. But then I worry because I'm like, I'm getting so old. Soon, no one's going to want to have sex with me because I'm so old. That's not true. Well, the guys I want to have sex with aren't going to want to have sex with me because oh. I'm too old. Well, things change. Things change. Yeah. You, d you don't know what will be in style. That's true. You know what I mean? Milk soon to be a thing, although I guess I could play one. Do that's the thing I wonder about all this stepmom porn. Are they real stepmoms or are they just really good actors? 
I don't know, but it really does. I know you're laughing, but I'm like, you know, that really doesn't, that really does circle back around to abuse and how it plays into sex. Does it? I think so. Oh, I think so. I don't know. I mean, in part, I just wonder. I'm not 100%, but what I will say is um, I wonder if there are, isn't like, just like ah, uh, brother sister stuff or incest. Oh, stuff. that is there. That's like that's all over the place. Right. I, I mean, I don't watch porn. I just hear about it from all the jokes of all the guys who watch this porn. I I just I've never. I think maybe from my religious upbringing, it's something that I was never really exposed to. And then when I was married, my husband was black, and we had a small family, so it's not really known as like something that I had exposed to. But <laughs> no, and so I wasn't. A, we didn't watch porn or have dildos because I found out later when I left his big black dick was not so big. But oh, I wow. didn't know. I just everyone would always say like, "Oh, he's black. He's got." He's, I was like, "Yeah, I've seen him," but I didn't Aww. know because That's I so just didn't wonderful. experience anything else. It's great. I bet you he still holds a candle for you for that. I still have the flame. You know what I mean? I was That's like, it's beautiful. Me, it's great. Also, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very, I have very shallow vagina, so it just it worked out. Yeah. For the lie, just to say that on air. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's um, micro penis. Okay. It wasn't I'm a not micro penis. It just was. I <laughs> when I when I moved to San Francisco and I slept I slept with my first white guy, I was like, oh my god, your dick's enormous. And he was like, six inches is pretty strong. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. But it's just because I never watched porn. But a I think that world. the people that watch, I think that all the kids that have been watching porn since they were 12 because of their iPhones, I do think that that perpetuates the science of sex. And I, I because when you watch enough, like, like, and then I hear guys say, yeah, I beat up that pussy last night. It's like, <laughs> can you, do you have to say it like that? Like, can you say, like, I hang out with a lot of guys. You're like, I've victimized that pussy yeah, last I've night. You know? That's fun. I mean, I used to do a joke about that. <laughs> I victimized that pussy last night. Like, I got her this time. I mean, but I think that that's perpetuated through these visual images that people don't necessarily have context for, or they don't necessarily see it as, and they see it as. You do what feels good or whatever, and then you move on. Right. And that's okay. I don't, I definitely don't like shaming one. I just think there's a psychology to it, and life is a series of events as well, I feel. So uh, for me, they're all kind of related uh, as far as like, abuse, how it plays out in, you know, childhood abuse to adult mm. relationship abuse mm. to, you know, um, breast sex thing was never anything that I had partaken in, but um, coming out of, because the, the lovemaking was, was not nonviolent, yeah. so coming out of this really scary place of abuse, it's interesting. It was really weird for me to understand that a lot of women like to choke. Oh. So my mind was just kind of blown day in and day out <laughs> as I was sure. just like, sure. why? I don't get it. Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? What's happening? And because I was in a bubble. And so uh, in a really isolated place and stuff. So um, those are things. And since then, I've had a really healthy, year-long relationship. I'm not in a relationship now, but... You know, I still talk to my ex and have a good rapport with that person. Yeah. No incidences, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I had to take a couple years off and definitely do self-care self, self care or whatever. 
Yeah, the chicken thing. Um, I used to like to be spanked a little bit, but it was only because at that time when I left my husband in my early 30s, I was 32. Didn't whore Sodom and Gomorrah. I was drinking. It was before comedy. I was a poet, so I was using alcohol a lot and I was sick because I was sort of cocked at Mrs. Kowski's Yay! super drunk and I loved yes. his poetry and I was like, oh, I'm the honesty that comes out of that and and so I was doing this sort of poet thing where like, I'm a drunk and that's what I do and I'm <laughs> unapologetic about it and I like fuck guys in bar, in bar bathrooms and I right. like, yep. and, and I was drunk all the time so I don't know how much of when I was having sex with these guys, I don't know how much was me asking them to be violent or if them perpetuating violence with me and me not caring because I was so drunk and I wanted whatever they were providing, even if I didn't necessarily remember it later. Like, it was, I mean, I had nights where I'd wake up and be like, and I'd sort of like haggled and be like, like that kind of stuff if I didn't remember. But I think that in the moment, I was into whatever they were into and they seemed to like that. So then it kind of became like, oh, out of my marriage where it was just me and him for, thir well, we were together for five and then divorced, but for 13 years, this was the person I had sex with and this is what it was like. And then all of a sudden I'm out in this world and I was like, what, it's like this? And so I didn't really have, and because I hadn't watched any porn and I hadn't really have a lot of sexual experience, like it was also new to me, but I just sort of thought, well, this is the way it is. But it was more like, this is San Francisco sex, drunk <laughs> sex in 2008. You know, like right. where this is what the, the sort of the community is doing, is spanking and choking. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm into this. Right. And now I realize, like, I'm not into that at all. Like, not even a little. Like, I don't like to be spanked. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't get anything out of it. I don't know why I submitted to it for so long. I don't. I had a guy once. Um, he said something to me, and then he he smacked me in the back of the head. And what? I, yeah, because I guess we were doing doggy style. Yeah. <laughs> he smacked me in the back of the head really hard, and it kind of like rung my bell a little bit. <laughs> and I like disengaged, and I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. And he's like, I thought that's what you wanted. I'm like, no, I never want you to hit me in the head. Right. Like, who does that? I was so pissed. Get the fuck out. I don't, I don't and he know. he got all mad at me. He's like, why did you, why did you, I'm like, yeah, it's it gets it's it gets interesting out there and I'm all for interesting, you know? You gotta find out where you know, everyone's in their own processes, discovering what they're into. I know that what I'm into and what I want, so I'm I'm happy just kind of looking like who did start that the like who started the choking thing? Was it like Nicki Minaj? Well I don't you know, <laughs> I, I kind I don't of know. understand it from the from the auspices of uh autoerotic that if you decrease your airflow, you uh, come harder. So oh, that if is true, yeah. So if there's a choking thing, it should be like right before you're going to come so that it's more intense. But, you know, I'd rather just do a whipping. Like if I want to if I want to decrease my airflow, there's a lot of ways I can do that without feeling victim shamed. Unless, unless it's totally consent-based. Sorry to that. All right. I mean, bottom line, if it's consent-based, it's 
plant-based, right? That's right. what I read in in the um, university paper in Berkeley, and that's why I was like, huh, huh. And I had to wrap my mind around that for quite some time. There's guys that like women to sit on high heels and step on their knuckles. My friend has done that, yes. And that I was they're shocked. into it. She is so, she's so, <laughs> she's such a lovely human being. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, I'm shocked that you stepped on that. Fantastical. Yeah. She's like, that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. <laughs> there was, um, I saw, there was a guy, there was a documentary that was really quick on him. He was like 6'9", but he was also into this um, little playtime thing. And he actually took a nail and pounded it through his scrotum. Oh. Yeah, on the fucking, on the doc documentary. And I was like, whoa. But, uh, I mean, people derive sexual pleasure from all kinds of things. Yeah. And it's not, I don't want to be judgmental. And We're just animals. We're just animals. Trying to get through this life together. Without getting cocky. And without getting our balls permanently. Right. Damage, though. Sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, damage my ovaries. Uh, get get these things <laughs> get out of here. Let this menopause end. <laughs> um, what? Tell us more about the, the the new comedy show. What's where's the where where's your location? Um. So, I'm still ironing out the. Oh, this is this is what I should explain. You don't have to register with the state to start a church. So the church already started, but I am registering it as a 501b. And during that process, they might say, because there's 20 different kinds of um, nonprofit business structures out there, and at one point they might say, oh, this isn't recognizable as such, um, because it has to be faith-based. And um, Comedy is based on faith. I, th I think so. Um, Super faith-based. I mean, I think for some comedians, like, the, the mic is like service, you know? Sure, absolutely. Like, it's like... It's uh, like therapy, it's like cleansing, it's like service, it's yeah. like communication, it's cleansing for other people, it's, there's all kinds of, there's catharsis for the crowd if they somehow relate to you, I mean. Right, so, you know, um, I'm going to see if that flies. If it does fly, I guess the benefit is it's cheaper than an LLC, it doesn't have affiliate nonprofit, it is more than just like the tax credit and the grants and all that. I really want to be collaborating with nonprofits and um, not just that I love because I want to love people. Like I'm a pretty free loving chick, but I just um, uh, what comedy and all these different communities that I've visited have done for me. Super healing, you know, nice. um, just because I've found other people that were depressed as well. Or right, right. Or um, who saw humor and funny things that were tragic, and so um, one of the premises, even though it's business those type of things, um, what kind of prompted it to actually go into application mode was I had my spirit of adventure thing, you know, eighty to one hundred thirty people. I'm gonna do a suicide prevention fundraiser for it. Great, Marcet, are you from Marcet? Okay, but you know, but um, like how far away is it by Marjet? No, a friend. I had actually wanted to do it at last year, mm. um, and I was a month in because of COVID, and then I was like, mm. by himself. <laughs> yeah, no, by, by himself. No, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but all jokes aside, uh, all jokes aside, I wanted to do something like that, you know, and but for that cause. And I just think that um, 
you know, when I've met other comics and I've tried out with people, um, you know, a lot of people are depressed. And think about how many people. Oh, I'm depressed. Yeah. I oh, yeah. This is what depression looks like for me. I'm always smiling. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no one knows what you are. No one knows I'm what like, you're inside eh, when no, you're bad, um, you know. Always smiling. No, I actually fare really well. I mean, it is shocking. The only thing is the the holidays were hard for me, so I did party a lot. Um, but my first like five months in comedy, I was sober more ish. Um, and so to be able to overcome like feeling like panic attacks and social anxiety and really do it by kind of like this I don't know, there's some kind of reverse uh therapy that happens where you confront your fears and then also PTSD you have problems with perspective and like with emotional flashbacks and things and I don't get those as often like I mean well I never had them very often but there were certain things that were huge and so very triggering you had lots of triggering events and now you it hasn't been that long and you've already sort of worked through a lot oh well it's been it's been a couple years. Oh, it's that bad. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I've only been in comedy for eight months. Right. But well, it I was wasn't about the dad stuff. Yeah, it wasn't. That's a whole other trauma. Yeah, but right. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. What? So many Good traumas. Good traumas will I address tonight on stage. But th- that's the thing. I mean, uh, a lot of my therapists had vicarious trauma, and I would joke mm-hmm. around about it before I did comedy because that's actually a term that a lot of psychologists and therapists have or, or use because, you know, they empathize with what they're hearing, and they are – Right. One of my buddies, this is a little non sequitur, but one of my buddies years ago, he was a psychologist for the Air Force, and he treated uh, pilots, helicopter pilots that were coming back from Iraq. And they were saying, and he got PTSD from hearing their stories. So they were telling stories about going down a city street and just going down it, just shooting people and seeing them explode in front of them. And he was hearing those stories from those helicopter pilots, and then he got PTSD right. from just listening. So it's like if you can get PTSD once removed just from hearing those stories over and over and over, like just imagine how hard it is for the people who actually went through, through that. Like Especially what? if they present really well. You don't know what's going on all the time. Just like my dad, like whatever he was going through when he was younger, he was fine. Yeah. But what I will say is that, you know, you can have PTSD from a car accident, and then you can also drink as well. And then how do you equate that yeah. as a human being? Because I feel like they are equal. And I had a hard time the first couple of years really struggling with that not equal <laughs> right it's you know my trauma is bigger than your trauma yeah but it's um trauma's it, trauma yeah but it's a really beautiful thing to acknowledge someone else's humanity because um i think the effect recognizing that you're not alone and then being able to connect with people whether whatever level of uh, healing they are what whatever had caused them this this um trauma you know, I think that's what's important. It's I feel it's just another word. Vicarious trauma is just another word for empathy, sure. like really strong empathy. You know, when something tra- 
uh, it's nothing to shy away from and it shouldn't have stigma because people should be able to talk about these things and bug their neighbors. And, you know, I think in general, our culture needs to change that. Absolutely. I mean, confronting things in an honest way is the best way to do it. I mean, it hurts, it can be difficult at the time, but then I feel like it takes the takes the air out of it, you know? Like if it's, it's almost like trauma is a balloon and that balloon is still there, but if it's filled with all this stuff and you keep filling it and filling it and filling it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you, you know, use that air to let to let out that that communication, then it can shrink because it, it's the same it's the same trauma. It's just how much is it is it huge and filled up or is it you know tiny and wrinkled, and when can you finally throw that balloon away? Right? Or can you? Or does that balloon stay with you? Maybe maybe the balloon just stays deflated. Maybe it's about deflating the balloon. I mean, what if it's not the size of a balloon, but something huge and heavy? Well, uh, yeah. Right. Sure. I mean. Before I started comedy, what happened was my dad had passed, and then a friend of 30 years had died. It was right before the beginning of the summer, and I was like, that's it. I'm not working tomorrow. I'm going out on the road, and I'm going to act like I'm going to kill myself every Friday. (laughs) (laughs) And it was great because I didn't, and wonderful things have happened um, everywhere. And um, like I said, really chased my happiness. But I feel like – that it's a heavy, it doesn't oh, have to be it's a, a heavy, heavy, heavy load. So I realized just with, like, the old relationship that I was following that I, I was dragging all this trauma around, and it was contaminating future opportunities. Sure. Even if I was holding it in really tightly, it was just leaking out and contaminating future opportunities. So I had this visualization that I would put that baggage into a room, and I would go visit it, like, whenever I needed to. And, like, every morning when I walked out the door or with the car door or whatever, I would try to be the person that I wanted to be. Well, that's good. You got a storage unit for your emotional yeah. baggage. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So you put the stuff in the emotional storage locker, and you've got the key, and you can visit it anytime you want. Anytime. But it doesn't have to. You don't have to. It's hard to travel with all that stuff. And if you go to an open mic and you put down all of your stuff, then you're like, you sort of explode into the room, and you're like, all right, here I am. But then it's, yeah, I understand that. Can you lock it away Yeah. and visit it, not lock it away and not think about it? Not like not like the alcohol locking away. It was like, I'm drinking this. I'm not thinking about it. I'm drinking it. I'm, I'm drinking it. I'm locking away these feelings. But that those feelings are there. They're valid. I'm not going to visit them now because yeah. right now is not a healthy time to visit them because yeah. I'm dealing with it. But I'm going to visit them later and deal with that stuff and sort through it and Maybe I don't need to, maybe someday I won't need to deal with it. Maybe I can go through it. Maybe I can have a garage sale. I can have an estate sale. I can sell things. Right. Trade it off. Trade it (laughs) off. Give it away. Trade it (laughs) off. Get rid of it. For new baggage. For new baggage. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what life's about. And the thing is, is I love making people laugh about things that they shouldn't. Maybe, Mm. you know, that they don't expect or I don't expect them to laugh about. Um. And I think those kinds of things are important. Like when I was really going through a lot of trauma, I still had my sense of humor. So the the belief, my whole heart is that comedy is a, a great coping and healing mechanism. And um, I think that when comics learn comedy on time, um, 
maybe not for a long time, but some of them just don't realize how important they are. You know, even on a subconscious level, no one's a, no one's paying attention at the open mic, but they're out there. They're they're speaking truth into existence, and they're trying to speak it. The jokes in their head coming out—that's a beautiful thing. And um, so I really think being able to do it on stage and then a set with strangers is yeah. just amazing. Where, uh, how is, uh, tell us, walk us through one of your sweet church dates. Oh, well, some things are still, some things are still in process, but the whole idea is the hope that the actual location will be kind of like Universal Life Church, where it's a website. The service is actually a podcast that oh. I can actually have com- have people have conversations with each other, post videos, talk philosophy, talk shop. Um, and really, on one hand, it's like a nonprofit public relations tool, but on the other hand, if anyone has any attention or interest in the side of things, then they know how much of how important the people that I work with are working with them, mm-hmm. even if I've tough out there it's it's good to like shine shine a light and say hey you know uh we're all trying to build each other up (laughs) what do you think about that when you say that are you do you mean in a comedy way or do you saying in like a humanitarian humanitarian okay yeah because comics are all solo monsters (laughs) so that i'm like i'm like you want to build what with who like yeah like soulless monsters who have no they don't you know what? Comments. Even soulless monsters, they probably have been victimized themselves at some point. Yeah, that's true. People forget men get raped all the time. You know. Yeah, I know we do forget that. Um, I forget that all the time. Um, so, so, but in the same, uh, it's really important that, you know, exercise tolerance and support and um, celebrate each other as a, for, for being human enough in the laughing and that's I don't think you would even I think you're amazingly supportive and, and I'm excited Aww. about your church thank you but Merced oh no that's just that's just a um that is a wonderful venue um for a fundraiser in oh September. right for the fun- fundraiser for for suicide awareness the actual Th- church it's the only suicide's the only death that's 100% preventable I feel yes suicide's the only death that's I've never heard that yeah it's the only it's the only death that you can prevent. If someone's gonna die because oh. of a car accident, it's gonna happen. If they're that's gonna die out of a plane, that's fine. Like disease, it's the only the only death that you can stop is someone that's gonna kill themselves. Oh, that makes and me feel horrible. Well, well, but it's but that's <laughs> the thing too is, and I think a lot of people carry around guilt yeah. that they didn't do enough or that they yeah. didn't talk to a person or they didn't say something on that day or what. It's like, I mean, it's. I feel like we need to put resources into maybe helping people be, I don't know, maybe it's just that our society, it just doesn't feel like there is a lot of support and a lot of love in the world right now. And so people have a difficult time connecting, and it's very easy to feel alone because especially with the advent of all of our devices and the internet getting closer, that we're really just getting farther away. And when you, I can't look at Instagram because it's just an idealized personification of everyone else's (laughs) life. And so it makes me feel like a pile of dog shit often. And then I get more depressed by trying to feel more connected. 
So like in my circle of connection, I feel more disconnected because of the media that we've connected all of us through. Right. I think with comedy, even though uh, there are soulless bastards, is that what you said? Um, monsters. monsters. Yeah. Um, I will say selfish souls for a while. Yeah, I, I've I've felt like fellowship just as a human being, um, and was shocked. I mean, I feel like people can't surprise you unless you allow a space for them to surprise you sometimes. Oh. And then you get to hear their stories because you're such, you know, m in my case, I'm just like, oh, I'm really open, right? Um, and so I get to hear stories, and I'm just like, wow, and like people are just like, you know, and just like really kind um, people like that, you know. It's I mean, so positive. I'm very happy in my life. I, I yeah. was very, like, very, very depressed at the beginning of the summer. Um, Two months in, I was fine. I was fine. Like, I had recovered. Awesome. So when I say my life in recovery, I mean, you know, I, I'm not 100%. I, s I still know that I have emotional flashbacks. I'll have certain things happen that I know are part of the same cycle or whatever. But it was uh, invaluable for me to just really push myself. And I think that's what comedy is. You get up there and... To be able to share yourself and push that envelope um, just from translating thoughts and, and feelings and then just wait to see if they're going to come. Like in my case, I was like, Jen, what's the worst they can do? Walk out on you? Heckle you? You've been through worse. And when you put it, when you're dealing with your trying to recover from trauma in that way, it was helpful for me. I was like, every time I got off the mic um, was just like, this is great. This is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, my only trouble is I feel like I'm only good as my last performance. So if That's I haven't had a good performance in a while, it's like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life kind of thing. Oh, so. well, I think, I don't know. I'm just, I've been lucky. I have a couple shows coming up, one in Concord and one in Minneapolis. And, um, but for the most part, I was just doing it to meet the people and share myself, and um, I was very lucky to fall in with a really great supportive space. And um, where are the supportive spaces you go to? Because I don't <laughs> know where they are. Reno, Santa Cruz, um, uh, San Jose. Um, San Jose, where? Like the improv? Oh no, I haven't done the caravan. Improv. Oh, I, you know, I've done the caravan a couple well, times. I've never gone down to San Diego to do. I've done the Reno Improv, and that's been fun. Um, yeah, so I've done, like, a show in Hollister. I just jumped on a set, um, a showcase in San Mateo, um, Delirium. But for a couple months, I actually, like, just went to, like, the toughest rooms, or the, the rooms that I thought were most difficult. And it was about, like, trying to, whatever fear was inside of me, tear it apart. Gotcha. Get it out of here. Cool. So yeah. Uh, awesome. What do you do? You have any? Do you have any more to add about the about your new church? Well, I. Well, if people, um, well, how do I say this? I just want to be inclusive and support people's dreams, and I think that um, if you believe that everything is funny and simultaneously nothing is funny at all, <laughs> um, and you can exercise some politeness, just a small amount of politeness, 
politeness, some amount of tolerance, then I'm sure every, you know, I, it's a great collaborative space you can have as much adoptive care. That's, that's I, I would say, is kind of cool. Like, even if it's just a few people that are talking about, like, my friend Tess, like, um, social activist and writer, and, and so there's going to be a lot of different types of content mm -hmm. and um, just different ways to support each other and kind of build kind of a community within a community that already exists because all of this, all this feeling that I've had, I know that it's there. I don't need to create a church uh, to validate it, but I know that other people are experiencing this wonderful thing on the mic too, and they're driven by it, and they're hitting the same stuff. So, once you're in it for, as, I mean, once you're in it for as many years as I have, it starts to, it, it you start to wonder what you're actually getting out of what's happening. I mean, I'm, I'm almost 90 to come this year, you know. So, and, I mean, that's, I, that's, that's sad, actually. No. Well, I no, it is, because it's like, what has been truly created in this time? This is the longest I've ever done anything. I've done graduate school for, you know, four years is kind of the long. I never have held a job more than, like, four years. Um, this is it's the longest thing I've ever sort of committed to just straight time-wise and then start to evaluate like what are the benefits like am I am I emotionally secure do I feel like that's sort of but you know I don't know I don't know I don't know what to do with it I don't know if it is I and it's you just start to wonder like what's the end game well, I think happiness should be a goal, right? Sure. And it's not always going to be achievable, n not at all. Right. But I think um, if you find joy in it, and I mean, I remember when I first attempted comedy like seven years ago, someone was like, and I had stopped, um, someone had said, well, it doesn't matter if you're funny or not. It just matters on if you're on the mic. I know he's an asshole. The point is, is that <laughs> that had me fucked up for like a minute. Because yeah, because I was like, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I'm. I feel was like it like a backhanded compliment. Like, doesn't matter that you're not funny. <laughs> like, like, what are you saying? No, he was saying like I was like the funniest girl he knew, but that it didn't matter unless I was up on the mic. And so, whether it was encouragement or backhanded uh, compliment or whatever it was really bothered me because I wasn't going to get up there at the time. So, and then for a moment this summer, I was doing 26 mics a month. I was like going crazy, getting my fix, right? Um, I will say that I thought for a second, I kind of understand there's so much difference in being up on stage or not, but it doesn't mean it's less important. If you're a funny person and you are making your family laugh or your coworkers laugh, Oh my goodness, my uh, work wife Keisha. Oh Lord, she is. She and I survived a really toxic work environment, um, but we were laughing the whole way. And I think that's how you get through the hard times. You know. 
Yeah, laughter, as they say, it's the best medicine. I don't think it's going to cure the coronavirus. And now that everybody keeps <laughs> canceling their shows, I was like, I was booked on Fuster Cluck this Friday. Come on, man, you're canceling it? What are you doing? I'm not canceling anything at Mystery Radio. I'm doing everything. I don't care. I, I don't believe it. in Corona. I, I, don't, I think everyone's freaking out for no reason. Freaking out. If you're not old and you don't have AIDS, you're going to be fine. If you're not a baby and you're not some old person with fucking diabetes and, you know, great, some crazy immunosuppressive disease, it's just another flu, everybody. I mean, it's going to suck, but really, I give me a break. There were some really gnarly videos coming out of Wuhan, and there was just a woman screaming, and they were telling – I wanted to post it, but I was like, nauseous. So, but <laughs> but it was really moving because she's like, our government is allowing this to happen. Yeah. Uh, they're not taking the precautions that they're able to. My brother on either side. And she was so distraught. Yeah, but and she's like, I know what's going to happen because I came out of um, – because I'm speaking out against my government. Yeah, she's going to get be put in jail. Yeah, and she's, she's going to disappear or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it sucks when old people die. But, like, there's so many people. I'm, I'm so heartless. I'm it's so okay. heartless. I'm just like, there's billions of people on the planet. Mother Earth is figuring out a way to kill someone. Oh, that's what's going on. I know. I don't know if I'm going to make it either. I'm really excited because <laughs> I just, if I survive it, I'll be like, it's not a personal accomplishment. It's just I've just touched my face like 15 times. Touch, touch. I, I'm not um, I a bite germaphobe. I bite my nails. I ride the bus and bite my nails. If anybody's going to get corona, it's going to be me. I've got my fingers in my mouth all the time. Like a li- I'm not just touching my face. I'm like yeah. fingers <laughs> in my mouth. I'm, you know, I'm, who knows what's on the 22 bus? Is there feces on the 22 bus? I Always. don't know. Probably. <laughs> like, Always. Hello. I'm just going like, to wipe my hand in some urine because it's sterile. Oh and I'll like gosh. run it through my hair. <laughs> no, we're all going to be. I think they're coming. And if they're not, I've been waiting for the coming apocalypse for years. I'm super stoked on this. (laughs) Oh, I want the apocalypse to come now. Finally, all my skills will come to fruition. Like, I can cook outdoors. I can murder animals and eat them, prepare them. I can run fast. There's all kinds of things I can do in the apocalypse. I don't know how to shoot guns, though. I can. I can run fast. I can still skateboard. I think that once the apocalypse happens, I'll start skateboarding again because I won't be worried about losing teeth. Be like, whatever. Right. Dennis left. I can skateboard. Sweet. Yeah. This has been crazy. You have any other uh, last words for the people about any of your amazing shows? Um, it's like a just keep an eye out, and I'll definitely be sending invites and spread the word that like there's gonna be cool collaborations, and we're just gonna celebrate kindness and awesomeness, and above all, above all, comedy. Yeah. If, well, you know, and if you want to do your sixth space, we have Sundays sort of booked open. I know. I, w- I messaged you about, like, oh, trying to get something lined up. Oh, really? So, yeah. Did I not get back to you? Oh, yeah, you did. Okay, we good. just haven't I really talked about I've it. I've been so busy because of the festival. I'm like, I have no idea what's <laughs> happening in my life. I have no idea what's happening. And then I've got all these people that are like, hey, when's this coming out? What's that? And I'm like, oh, I'm not even close to getting the videos together. I still have, like, I don't think people realize that I don't have a team. I work alone. There is nobody. What? And that's what I'm Beauty talking radio about. Radio is Pam Benjamin. That's it. That's it. There's no. There's. I have. I have an accountant friend who helps me out, and I have my tech guy who lives in Vegas. 
exclusive jazz. Right. That they play. But other than those two people, there ain't nobody. There are nobody. There's cool. like, and I even try to get people to pay their dues. I mean, I have to, that's the other thing I have to do today is go through and send emails to all the people who haven't paid dues this month. I'm like, it's the 10th. <laughs> I'm waving money right now. Oh, thanks. What I will say is, is that um, ideally, I want to sponsor comedians to be able to spread the good word and paint the periphery to do little small traveling events. That is part of it. Okay. So um, there's some aspirations there, you know, because um, just we want to take care of each other. Okay. I that is, that is a whole – you saying that, it's a whole new – perspective for me because I've been in it for nine years <laughs> and I don't think anyone's been there to support me. You're like, so I will kill you off. When you're no, like <laughs> no, I want everyone to die because I feel so unsupported. <laughs> I'm like, fuck everybody. Where's it? But it's nice that you want, and I hope, I hope that me you too. get a team together me and that too. people support you back because yeah. when you run something, no, nobody, they don't. Even if I fail, my worst fear is that it's a complete failure and I'll have to really come face to the face the gritty street knowledge but i already know gritty street knowledge is fine yeah i'm i'm yeah and also prepared. what is what is what is what is failure like i don't yeah. know what that means i don't i i don't understand failure and i don't understand success because when i feel like i have success in other people's eyes it's still failure and sometimes other people will see success for me and i'll see failure in my own eyes so like that whole concept of same thing as like good and bad or right and wrong the whole dichotomy of failure versus success i have no concept what that means be good to yourself and just be kind to yourself and i think that you'll be in a good place jen sanchez everybody look up garcia garcia you're racist (laughs) i'm such a jerk well no it's because there's another girl named no there's jen perez that's the other jen i'm a racist i'm an accidental racist I knew it was Sorry. No, it's okay. Jen Garcia. So there's a lot of Jen people. There's Jen Perez. There is no Jen Perez. <laughs> I just made that name up. There should be. There should be. I'm going to create a fictional character. Yeah, what's yeah. the t- – tell us the name of the church again. Vicarious Traumas Church of Comedy or COC. Oh, that's hilarious. You need COC in there. You need some COC in your I, – I don't. <laughs> I know. It's just do. a joke. Or we all do. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> We're all good off COC. Except the Church of Comedy. That is true. Uh, so everybody check it out. Church of Comedy. Uh, this has been Some Call Me Sin. Uh, we'll be back next week for talking about Flash Dance. And probably Sam. Uh, thanks for joining me on Mutiny Radio. It's a lot of fun. I hope that you're listening on our app. If you are listening on to us online and you have an iPhone, go and get our app. If you are online and checking out mutinyradio.fm, please hit that GoFundMe button and give me some money. Or come by 278 121st Street any Friday. We have Fantastic Comedy Clubhouse from 8 to 10. It's only 10 bucks. Great comedy show. And I need your money. <laughs> I want this money so bad. Uh, thanks for being here, Thank Jen. you. Thank Yay. you. <laughs> Thank you so Yay. much. Keep both eyes out.
great to be here. in or outside the building it is totally age appropriate i am yeah I, i'm 19 years old uh all the way out here yeah no i just love it i can't early. believe how funny you are that is like and you have such <laughs> a you're such an old soul you know you have like um uh awareness about you that belies your few years on this planet thank you very much i, I just i just call it social anxiety you know i'm just over i'm very over analytical of myself I, I, i'm glad that you, i don't know that's a good thing thank you yeah. <laughs> You got the speeds. So the way that it works on Some Call Me Tim is I have you look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. I didn't scratch that on there. Some jerk came in there and did. I was like, why would you deface my beautiful Jesus? But that's cool as fuck. I see. I see. That's cool as fuck. I was seeing that. I was like, who had the balls to? That, that's. I used <laughs> to put a little uh, a little roach in between his fingers so it looked Ooh. like he was that like <laughs> I taped it on there, but someone <laughs> took it and smoked it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's only a matter of time. <laughs> Uh, and then well you look at the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, and I say, do you believe in Jesus? Like, as a, as a person who once lived? Good question. Uh, or however, however you define whatever's happening here, like, do you believe in Jesus? Um, as a person, as an icon, as an idol, no. So he was a guy who walked the earth approximately 2,000 years ago. And he was murdered because he said some cool shit. Yes. Oh. But he had a great margin. <laughs> Twelve. I disagree. Twelve losers following him around. They were the shittiest marketing scheme ever. I mean, we're talking about him right now. I mean, he had, <laughs> the, he had that okay. book series. <laughs> he has that book series. Yeah, you're right. He's got that book series. You know, uh, when are they going to give give him that Netflix special? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Everyone's talking about this Jesus guy. I, I, I mean, they, there's history like around the same time as Jesus. There were just a lot of religious zealots, a lot of people going around. And just doing like magic and shit. The first doing ever magic and shit. Yeah, I I started thinking that they were just doing magic because the, the some of the oldest, um, I mean this is maybe too coincidental. Some of the oldest like drawings of Jesus are depicted him with a wand. Really? Sort of. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. If it's bibbity bobbity boo. Yeah, abracadabra Jesus. Ooh. And he's just like he's like Je you know we, we like Jeff Dunham. You know why is he popular? He's not doing anything cool necessarily, but he's super good marketing guy. Jesus. Mm. Maybe he was just a magician. You know Peter. You know, got some 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 shit trending in the year zero. I think that I think that what was trending <laughs> was food. They were feeding lots of people. Oh. And people didn't, <laughs> and they're like, "Ooh, food! Let's follow this guy around." Retweet on the bread. <laughs> 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 Hashtag bread. Hashtag. <laughs> Let's get this bread. This shit doesn't change, you know. <laughs> it's all circular. Shit doesn't change. Some say because Jesus disappeared from it. So the if you read the New Testament or you read that, which is a collection of stories, and I didn't even include them all, but. He at thirteen ish years old, he flips the money changing tables in the temple and he says, Capitalism is bad blah blah <laughs> And he disappears for twenty years and he comes back when he's thirty three and he does all his ministry with an axe and he's dead. So people say, Where did he go for those twenty years? Some speculate that he actually went to Asia. He went to other parts of the continent and oh. studied with like uh Chinese philosopher, like all these these different philosophical ideas and and in India and like studied with different people and then came back. I don't know, someone yeah. might have made that up. But then That's cool as shit though. I I hope it's that because also if you look back um the in the Chinese 
like pharmacology book they wrote 4,000 years ago, they mentioned cannabis as like an actual medicine. Like all these different huh. ways to prepare it and put it in I things. I bet it was blue spell. I bet I bet it was not fire. No, well, they I were not they smoking were gas. They were <laughs> they weren't separating the males and females. They were I mean, maybe <laughs> they were collecting seeds and doing their thing, yeah. but I'm sure that the weed was much different. But then, so if he went and he visited all these Chinese people and learned about weed and all that. And cured like all these skin disorders. What if he was just putting weed on them? What if he was just smoking out all these fools? Or like putting it in oils and like <laughs> anointing them, anointing with oils. What the fuck is that CBD. about? CBD, right? He's the original CBD. CBD. Hell you yeah. Choose your THCA. You I choose CBD. to believe it. I think all religion you choose to believe it, and I, I, I believe it. I, I, they should. I, I very much. That's cool as shit. Do they really not know where he went for twenty years? There's, there's no. no so when you read the Bible, there's thirteen. All of a sudden, he's a man. He comes and he starts. John the Baptist comes and goes, hey, it's yeah. not me. Everybody was like, John the Baptist, John the Baptist. You're the dude. You're the mm. dude. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm just the prophet. And then John the Baptist um, baptizes Jesus because John the Baptist freaks, freaks out. He's like, you're the one. Like very, <laughs> yeah. very Neo, very Matrix. This yeah. is it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jesus was all humble and shit. And he's like, yes. And he got baptized. The bird came down and, oh, and everybody, oh, he's the son of God. <laughs> and then he started his ministry Jesus from there. Jesus did. Yes. And that's wow. after he got tempted in the desert by the devil for 40 days. Where he, like, right. didn't eat any food and he was fasting and he talked to the Father or whatever. And then the devil came and was like, what's up with you? And he's like, nope, <laughs> I'm Jesus. <laughs> and that's how we know it. That's how we know he's the God. <laughs> he's the one. That's so crazy. You know, I, I grew up an atheist. I never read the Bible, actually, because it was oh. so dense and I was like, I never had a reason to. But hearing about Christianity and what the story is from different people with, like, their own colloquial, like, terms and casually is just so fucking – it's so fucking funny to me, man. Like, who yeah. wrote it? Like, right. it's exactly. Because it, 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 it's, like, it's like a huge collection of stories, right? I mean, I just – maybe I'm just making this up. Yeah, hell yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> I, there's just a huge collection of stories. Who wrote all this shit, you know? And why is it – why does it resemble, like, these amazing st- – uh, anyway. No, no, keep going. <laughs> no, why does it resemble other, other other myths and things that were happening yeah. at that same time? And but then then we have to go back to the whole like Joseph Campbell idea of why do we have these continuing archetypical archetypical myths that go through our storyline? And so right. religion used to be this thing that maybe religion was entertainment back in the day because right now we keep recycling stories on movies, TV, right. because we're I don't know our be entertained maybe religion was the entertainment back then because they didn't have netflix i think humans (laughs) have always i think humans have always needed meaning in their life i think that's one of the things that we always need to survive and move forward that's how we gain hope and i think that that's by believing in heroes yeah believing in heroes believing in religion is just meaning it it makes stories make it easier to ascribe meaning to our own life you know and those larger meanings form the zeitgeist of our own cultural knowledge and education i i so I think it's just out of a need of us always needing meaning. And I think I, I identify as an existentialist. <laughs> I think you can just find meaning in any like anything. You know, that I think that's that's that would be my belief system. Yeah. It would be that same way. Well, you've also been through some hard shit. So I mean people who uh do people who smoke heavy hard, you do hard drugs. Yeah. Uh if you but if if you went through that stuff, were you trying to ascribe meaning and you weren't finding it until you were like, I'm gonna do these crazy drugs because my life has no meaning or was it that you were doing the drugs to seek meaning in some you know, way no i i think i don't think that i was seeking meaning with it i think it is interesting though that people that do go through hard times 
sometimes they get they gain kind of my perspective on it, which is sort of like, well, bullshit. This is like all kind of pointless. You have to you have to describe your own meaning things. You have to kind of do it on your own. Some people get very religious, especially in treatment. People got very very externally motivated by me. Um, so I think I I, I wanted to yeah. So I, I would say that drug abuse exists kind of parallel to that. Perhaps not. It, it, do, it doesn't feel. Um, but yeah, I was always very independent. So, uh, so were, you, <laughs> were you diagnosed as a child with um, OCD at like a diagnostic age? No, I don't think I was. You were? Okay. I, th- I mean, that's one that's of the labels they like to slap on kids that have a personality and they're like. I, <laughs> I, I know, right? I, I honestly, as someone, I was like textbook one of the, like, the class clown, kind of the bad kid. I got expelled from like two schools. Yeah, they didn't. I'm surprised that nobody was like competition wise to say. I that. never got any of those, like. Like oh, those I, I diagnoses, like I never got ADHD either, yeah. and like now I went and got one when I was like seventeen or eighteen. Because but Adderall of course is I had awesome. That. Yeah, also I wish I had. It's hard to tell my, it's hard to tell my psychologist now that I need Adderall without telling them that I used to abuse. Because right. like I know it works, but I, it works. <laughs> like I, I'd love to use it responsibly again, please. Right. <laughs> that's <laughs> a really it it's that's an amazing perspective though to have at nineteen to be responsible. I mean, I'm forty five and I'm just learning mm. how to. I'm I'm on thirty two days, thirty two days without alcohol, and it's the oh. longest I've ever gone since I was eighteen. Congratulations! That's like, do you get? Are you an AA? Do you get a tip? Fuck no. No, yeah, it's. Too we do have an AA meeting here though at Mutiny Radio. Oh, that's good. Um, I don't, I don't partake myself because I also on like, I'm not gonna get into something where like I'm powerless. I have to yeah. submit to a higher power. It's you know what? I'm already submitting to a higher power right now. It's called gravity, and it's holding yeah. me to the goddamn ground. <laughs> and I don't understand it that's at all. And electromagnets? How the fuck do they work? How the fuck do magnets? I, I ICP, I man. ICP, <laughs> but electromagnetic <laughs> stuff? Like, I don't know how that works. That's clearly a higher power. Yeah, how does beauty work? Why does What makes something pretty? Well, you know? aesthetically, because you have your eyes are wide set, so that's a very pretty. But why? What defines that reaction? When you see something that's so beautiful, like a beautiful landscape or you, like a sunset, what is that reaction? I think to me, that's God. That's the closest you are to God is when you're seeing like that fourth, that. But that's you recognizing something. something. That's not. I mean, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Looking at like an amazing painting and just getting lost in it, in this beauty, in this, it's just like it. it I don't know. It's, it's something else. It's divine. I think. But w- and if now, now there's you're talking about two different things because if it's mm. a sunset, it's nature and it's something. But if it's painting and it's man-made and created and then there's a different rela- there's a different relationship happening there. I don't think there is. I think that beauty as as a divine thing exists in all things in a way and and, and, and I guess it's being able to present that. Cuz I think the beauty is the same in a painting of a sunset and a sunset. I think that humans have been able to recreate beauty. Sometimes the beauty beauty exists in not only a sunset and not only a painting like architecture too. I mean beauty exists in all these things in different ways, but it all exists as Beauty, and now way. you're making me think of American Beauty when the f- trash bag is oh, floating yeah, around. It and is he's like beautiful. I've never seen anything more beautiful. <laughs> okay, that's a little that's a little too much. Honestly, <laughs> have you seen Blade Runner where he's like, and I disappear like two seconds. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little <laughs> so that's I would I would label that sentimental in that it mm-hmm. asks for an emotion that it doesn't pay off on. You know, like yeah. at the end of a poem when you're like, oh, or in a card, you're like. It, ask, yeah. it asks for an emotion that it doesn't pay off on, and that's like sentimentality. Yeah, I'm gonna have to write that down because <laughs> that 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 makes. Yeah, I think that's exactly how I feel about it too. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's like when you when something it's 
But sometimes when things are super icky and gushy and over the top that way, then I can appreciate that too. Like Japanese girls wearing cute outfits, <laughs> like with yeah. like angelic pretty. But that's Yay! a message in and of itself. Like yeah, yeah. I, that's when you're when you're like overly sentimental. That's cute too. Yeah. Or I don't know. There's a statement about that. I think there's something to be said about bland writing about like yeah old poetry and how it's just come to such a bland ending. Really. <laughs> that's for the most part. You have to. P- people have to come to you. Yeah, and in all good art, that also works for gross aunts when they want to kiss you on the cheek. Uh, oh, mm. you want something from me that you don't mm. understand? Yeah. Give you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when I'm supposed to be giving good relations. <laughs> See, I I love all my aunts. I want to say that because I know they might find this. Uh, hi, Aunt Eileen. Hi, Aunt Liz. Hi, Aunt Fluffy, and all else. <laughs> is that is that a cat? Is that Fluffy? Aunt Fluffy? No, that's my that's my dad's sister. She has really poofy hair. She's great. She lives here in Berkeley. Shout out. Shout, Shout out, out to Fluffy. Berkeley. She's a social worker. She's a great woman. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's yeah. I think it's so funny. I was just having this capitalism. I, just when you say, I just thought social work in my brain, like, they don't make any money. How are they living their lives? Yeah. But when you make a choice now to, like, I don't know. I feel like America hates poor people, oh and yeah. yet so many jobs make people poor. And yeah. it's like wants to be a fucking social worker like exactly because yeah. you're not gonna or maybe you get this content it's from it's it. determined by that meaning i think you know the meaning of my life is to help others yeah. and that's why i mean and that's why yeah just the, the meaning of your life is what makes you like you know choose a certain direction i guess that's all you need more than the money i guess i mean we're, sure. we're fucking comedians yeah man. yeah fair i think yeah it's, you're probably very familiar with going with uh, something that's not capitalistic in a yeah way. well i language for the people who pay me to feel like who I am. I don't yeah. under I don't I, I get angry these days with how like the only thing we have is money. Truly is our ability to mm. like so I like to create a lot of food and I like to create but like women can create babies, like men can create well not just men and all that, but people mm. can create labor. They can do things in nature. And mm. it seems that we've moved into a place where Things aren't real. Like, Bitcoin is not real. Yeah. Memos being passed around are not real. Like, they're just not real. They're all concepts. And they all just sort of live in this cloud of internet. When this, when the electricity goes down, everyone is fucked. Yeah. Because this isn't real. Mm-hmm. Like, making French toast is real. Yeah. Or tangible. Tangible even. things. It's like an object. And I feel like humanity has gotten away from survival. Mm-hmm. Where it's everything is tangible goods because otherwise you're going right. to fucking die. You're going to freeze. Right, or right, you have right. to build something, or you have to do something. Right. Now we're in this place where it's all concepts. It's, it's all, all science. I I think I that's so interesting you say that because I think that humans. So one thing that we can do is we have like con- this consciousness of us to be able to ascribe like meanings and labels onto things, right? And so even being able to make French toast, like that's real, but you're still it's still absurd that you're like except. It's still absurd because you're making French toast, quote unquote, but it's still just like bread and eggs, and you're just putting stuff together. It's a creation, um, no different, in a way. It's a, it's a lesser version of the creation of a concept. You know what I mean? The label of French toast is the concept you ascribe onto putting like eggs with bread and shit together. And the same thing is for like Bitcoin and these things that are intangible and these tech things that you're still ascribing meaning, but there's no physical aspect to it at all. It is entirely intangible and mental. But and then you have to go back to Plato because he said that God is real. So it's that whole chair debacle. If right? you think of a chair in your Ooh. head, 
that chair that you're thinking of is real. It's not that chair right there. It's not the chair you're sitting in. Mm-hmm. But there is a chair, and that chair exists because thought is real. The, the, the putting of the label exists. The label of the chair exists because the thought is real. I think that that is the only thing. But you don't have to, like, bu- build an actual chair for the chair to be real. Yeah. But then w- yeah. So then if you kind of – Because it's a concept, a priori concept. And then if you – so that actually, I feel like, is what gives us everlasting life is that Plato is still alive because I just said his name and I'm thinking about him and his ideas. And so that in my head is real and that's real. Thoughts so he's are real. real. So people can have – so that your, your afterlife is actually just, just like a half-life of how long you're remembering. And how you're being – dude, I'm – so fucking glad you got this on tape because <laughs> I don't have to write any of this down in my Google Docs. I can just listen to it again. They, this is fucking awesome, dude. Are you playing like binaural beats in this shit? Because yeah, this is some. There's like wow. Because this is some four D conversation right here. I didn't even <laughs> think about that's so interesting. Because if thought is real <laughs> and you remembering people, then those people are real, so people never die. So, so everlasting like a, yeah. life exists, but not in a stupid way. But it does exist in a way where people are like. Ooh, there's a fluffy gate and the yeah, stuff yeah, and the, yeah. the pit of pearls. How you imagine it to be, sure. Sure, because it's because if you're thinking it in your head, then it's real. And then you're it's describing real. you, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> I'll have to go to a bookstore after this. I know there's a lot in fucking there. But the platonic chair. It's That's so sick. One of my poetry professors talked about it a lot in grad school. That was his whole game. It's like, if thought is real and you're constructing thought and you can construct anything and you're a poet and you're a master of the language then fucking be a master of the language mm. think of some high concepts but you know most construct construct yeah. but most most kids in college just write poems about the fucking sky it's fine yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just like yeah. it's just like comedy <laughs> yeah, just, just like, just like comedy, like comedy. <laughs> it's just <laughs> what do you i you know honestly you've seen the new pete davidson special no i don't watch stand-up comedians because i feel like they influence me Subconsciously, yeah. so I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch any new comedy specials either. I I, I watch like some YouTube. I, I watch like stuff that I think that if I go go over to the frequency of better, you know, like more niche comedy. But yeah, enough. But one thing that was weird about just because you brought up just reading poems about dick jokes again, he had this whole thing about people had to like put their phones away and put them in the bat in bags so that no one could steal the material. I guess there's a plethora of reasons why you can't do that. But the special comes out and like in the trailer, he's like. Yeah, my dick is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Who, what was going to steal that, bro? <laughs> the lady gem drops. Well, they do that now. Um, Madonna did that. My buddies went to her concert here in San Francisco and um, changed it. It was, And she didn't go on until like 1130. They're like, we live in Walnut Creek. Yeah. Like, what are we doing in this city at yeah. 1130? But they made them put their cell phones in these bags so that you couldn't open them during the concert because – but here's the other I mean thing about that. It's so dumb when people film concerts. You're never going to watch it again. You're it and it's already on YouTube, and you can watch someone else doing it. And when you're watching it on a screen, you're not there live experiencing the fucking joy and wonderment. Yeah. You're, sep- you're separating yourself from it. You're saying, totally I'm agree. spending all this money to be here and be in this place, and yet I'm going to experience it through a tiny screen. Yeah. It makes no sense. I think, I think people just want to document shit so they feel like they're not losing it because they want to enjoy it more. You know what I mean? Or but because they want to prove to their friends or somehow be cooler because it's not real unless you stick it on social media. That's, th- that's, a, that's a whole different perspective of what's real. It's like the what's real is what people see. And that's not true oh. either, I think. It's so scary. I had to t- – I, I can't run the Instagram thing on my radio. I, don't, I can't do it because I cannot bear it. Everyone's idealized personifications of self. I am too weak. 
I can yeah. I am I am not strong enough to see that that's even though I know it's not real. I know it's right. not real. I know it's filters, but I just I can't see everyone having such a great time and their life is so great and they're on so many shows and it's just so amazing. Yeah. It's just like my I just I shrink and shrink shrink shrink. And I don't want to be a person that I don't want to have to feel real on that level and constantly be like, <gasps> look at me. Here I am. I'm out yeah, here. You Here's be real a picture. To Are we right here? No, no. Let's take a picture with James. I mean, we're there in actions, but it's not <laughs> real. Let's just put it on this. Let's take a film right now. We're gonna <laughs> so it's real. Okay. Like all of that is just. It's too much. I just be real. Be real to yourself. Yeah. You know? Okay. Authenticity. Like my thing that, that pushed me over the same way. I, I go on Reddit and I go on Twitter now because they're less like looking at other people. I'm just looking at like the news and just some funny photos. What got me off like Instagram and Facebook? All these comics posting their shows of the month. Yeah, the no one finds your shows through that. Like I don't, I, I. It's, it's just a flex. All a it flex. is is a flex. It's just a flex. And I'm I know on all that. these shows. Yeah, I know that, and I used to do that, mm. and I know it. And yet, still, I cannot compartmentalize that enough to not just make it, kind of make my day, not, not make my day where it doesn't affect my day that bad, but see them and just be like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. And that's what it's yeah. supposed to do. Yeah. Uh. But I don't find it motivating. I find it motivating. depressing. Yeah. Like when I, I avoided being on Instagram with the staging and people were finally like, what are you doing? I'm like, okay, guys. And the first two months, I got going to therapy <laughs> <laughs> and I attributed it to Instagram and everyone was like that's crazy that's crazy I'm like no this is like the only thing that's changed my life mm. is this new media platform that a I don't understand b I hate mm. and I just and everyone's moving off of it and finally I'm like but the algorithm is just oh it's always updated update update up why does our life have to be constantly updated why can't we just I mean, I'm using a phone that was a burner phone that I got for like yeah. 20 bucks, and I've been using it for two years. That's so the job. Like you always had a laptop anyways, and people use Facebook Messenger, so you can – if you have something that like uh, – when I was most comfortable was when I didn't have a phone, I just had a laptop so that I could only respond to texts and shit when I opened my laptop that one time. It was kind of stressful a little bit, but it was better than always staring at my phone. What I do now is I have, a, I have Do Not Disturb, so mm. I'm bad about – I'm really bad about text, but I'm never going to fix that because that's, that is how I prevent myself. And if I see anything, I just I go right away too. My attention span. And it's changing. The the looking. I, I'll never get a cell phone. And people are like, my, even my dad has a cell phone, and he's mm. in his seventies, and I'm never getting it. People are like, you're crazy. Like, I I be Muhammad Gandhi. Be the change you want to see in the world. I don't yeah. like. I don't think that every fucking kid has a computer in their house. Yeah. I don't think we're good enough. I think if we're giving. I don't think we should champion mediocrity. And when you give someone all the keys to the fucking castle. Without any – think you give them all a sense of entitlement. Everyone thinks they just deserve a computer in their pocket all the time, and the Wi-Fi yeah. should be super fast. And it's like, what Everything about talking to people? And what about not watching Netflix on the bus? Or what about yeah, – Human connection. What about human connection? About human connection. I mean, it's such a – I mean, in a way, it is – I lost my train of thought. Wait, just the separation between us and uh, tiny computers called – Yeah, I think, that, I think that also it, it – it when you take it for granted, you stop using it for the best things that it can do well like i'm a very curious person my favorite thing is wikipedia because i just love clicking through all these things what would i do without the internet to do that you know but at the same time i i take up so much content that i'd never remember my ever again and like it, it's it's almost a cliche argument to say this is a waste in your life but these boomers have a point there 
because <laughs> really, how much content do you remember from what you saw on Instagram last time? I know, not you. Thank yeah, God. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I aspire to be that. But to everybody at home, how much – What do you remember the last tweet that you liked? Do you remember the last, like, Reddit post that you saved? No. Have you ever tried to bring up a Reddit post to someone else? It doesn't work. It's doesn't. It's not cohesive to human connection. Like, Pam, did you right. see that video about the guy? Uh, he like he he was like throwing a he was like throwing a knife, right? And then he threw another knife, and it went like right through it. And he's like, "Oh, that's cool." Do it. Yeah, that's oh, you that didn't. Oh, I saw it. It was good. On it was on Reddit. It was on Reddit. <laughs> that's good. Well. Yeah. No. Hey. Uh, well, the one the one time we got pressed in that was the fight that was that we had. I saw that. Yeah. Is, yeah. he, is that comic ever been back here? Yeah. Um, it's not the, the, the one that punched. The one that punched, about. he apologized to me uh, a couple months ago for something in Korea. And the I one that got like punched? The one who punched. Oh, and punched. I was like, you're apologizing to the wrong person. Yeah. Like, you I'm, you owe me 500 bucks for the window that you never gave me. I mean, whatever you want. But I was like, you're you're apologizing to the wrong person. Uh, you got to punch. But oh. the, the guy who got punched also quit comedy how because yeah. ptsd man he fucking got attacked yeah. on stage out of nowhere if that and this uh, this is crazy stuff so this also happened to the other night uh sunday night at um ireland's 32 there was a comic on stage max eddie local comic very funny uh, goes up to punchline all the time up and coming uh redhead just doll he um does a lot of bi jokes he's very funny bi mm. jokes and there was these two super drunk irish guys in the bar and they'd been kind of heckling someone else, and so he got up and he starts doing a really shitty, on-purpose Irish accent, and just like oh, I, I heard about this, yelling at him and doing stuff, and I blah blah blah. And he's video. like, and he's he's up there, and he goes, "I've never been punched. I've never been punched." And I'm like, "Why are you calling that? <laughs> Call to action button, Max Eddie number one." <laughs> so this guy actually gets up out of his seat and rushes the stage, and Max just like. Hours away, which Jeez. is great, which is what <laughs> I would do, which is what I would absolutely do, and I support his decision. I'm not going to fight anybody. <laughs> but the two big guys, Nathan Lowe, who's an enormous beast of a man, got up, and this other guy who also was enormous of a man made sure that these men were Everything. escorted out, and they were 86 years old. It's fine. But the point is that people feel entitled, and I've had it, a seen it a couple times, to rush the stage. Who does that? What are, what's happening to our I social mores yeah. is that they're just breaking down to such a point. What but happened but to common courtesy? Looking at your phone in front of a person is not common courtesy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. It's just it's fully ignoring. Yeah. It's fully ignoring. It's just is it's totally isolation. But 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 there's also a, an extent of, like, how well the guy that punched the other comic. Wasn't this because, like, they, they said his name was Jeff or something? Right. Okay, so. so that, that's not mental stability, though. Right. Exactly. He So he misinterpreted the entire going on. In that, and it was funny because Eddie Lowe's great friends with Max. Mm. My buddy Andy, who wants to go, was in Seattle. Mm. She's amazing. Uh, there, were Everyone had great sets. I had great This one guy, this one guy, Jeff, was the only one who didn't have a good set. And it was such a hot room, and everybody was staying, and it was 4 to 6 in the afternoon. Uh. It was like 5.30 in the afternoon. And so the guy who put it all together was like, I'm going to do a set. And they're like, of course. So he gets up there, and he has a funny name. And I've heard his joke a bunch of times. It's like Capital and real name because people don't want to hear his name and he has mm. kind of um <laughs> the lilt to his voice is very urban mm. oh yeah i've, I've seen oh that you show. okay so yeah. you saw all that like last week yeah so i think that jeff being capital jeff took some offense to capital p and i think 
grew up in San Francisco. That's how we talked all the time. That's what you do. It, it was almost like a reverse racist experience. Mm. And then he just, I can't believe he's picked a name out of the sky because he was like, what, your name's going to be Jeff and you're just going to be okay with that? And he wasn't, and there was another guy in the uh, room named Jeff. Yeah, and there he was, was the only a one that had a bad set. But the, yeah, so this other guy, the guy who had a bad set named Jeff had a bad Dude, set. The stars but there, there was another guy in the room named Jeff. He didn't have take offense to it. But Campbell just picked a name. He could have yeah, said Chad. But he it just happened said to be the wrong one. He just picked Jeff instead of Chris or Chad yeah. or, or Hayden or like any like super white guy name. Yeah. He just said, oh, your name's going to be Jeff and you're okay with that? And then the guy starts talking to his girlfriend. He's like, I don't know who I am. And then he asks him at one point, he's like, do you know who I am? And Campbell goes, yeah, shut the fuck up. And he didn't say shut the fuck up. He goes, yeah, shut fuck, shut up. Something like that. That's when he left us. So somehow. Damn. You know, that that he's not okay for that, obviously. No. That's that's an instability thing. So yeah. you're not but, – but also that's just a crazy misunderstanding too because that just heightened that. Because I could kind of see – I can't see every time. I'm not justifying at all. But I can see being like he's just – I just, he's the only one who had a bad set, and this guy's like been part of the bad set. Really? But it's just a crazy misunderstanding. It's a crazy, oh crazy, my God. crazy. I, I hope I hope Campbell comes back. I hope he does too. Yeah, he was he was doing he was doing the work writing. Hey, pancakes. Oh. Have you met Aaron Atkins from Chicago yet? Oh, oh. Aaron, Aaron Atkins, this is Pancakes. <laughs> You're on oh. mic two. We're in a we're in a very special. Uh, some call me Tim. We just get get philosophical and chill. Your hair's down. I don't know if I've ever seen you. Do I always see you with your hair down, or I just don't notice it? Uh, Pam, you need to stop smoking so much. <laughs> no, it's all I have left, pancake. <laughs> I don't get alcohol. All I get is speed. I can't start doing heroin. <laughs> I don't like speed. I'm not going back to that. PCP's out of the question. <laughs> Molly's too strong these days. These kids with their... It's I also like fence. I took her this night, not for nothing, one night at a concert, and I... So funny because she gave me this big rock. I'm like, how am I supposed to take this with me? Like, I can't. Like, what am I supposed to do? So I scratched a little bit off, and I'm like, this, this, this is a tiny bit. This won't be too much. And I was like, I used to describe you. I put it in my mouth. This is the smallest snort. So I put it in my mouth. I lost like four hours of my life. <laughs> I got so fucking high. I was like laying on the ground. Everyone's like, is she gonna be okay? They call the ambulance. I'm like, no, people are like, no, no, no. She's just really, really high. <laughs> I can't do any of the new kid drugs. Two CB, two CB. I don't know what those things yeah. are. They're fine. That was the desired effect. You just didn't know how to realize. No, it was too Still much. Still enjoying it. The whole, I guarantee you, you were having a good time. Oh, I'm sure I was having a great time. Yeah. But I. But the bummer is when you do so much that you don't remember, which is why I'm yeah. kind of excited about quitting alcohol, is that not forever, but I'm definitely not going to do it around comedy anymore because it makes it, well, it makes open mics. So I used to be like, I'll only drink at open mics. I won't drink at shows. And then when I did my face, I broke that rule. I, mm. I was drinking a lot, and I went to a show, and I bombed. I was like, don't meet me here. I'm embarrassing you, whatever. And I regret it so much. And it was because I was drinking, and then I hurt myself. And I regret bombing at the set and being drunk much more than I regret hurting myself, honestly. Mm. The set was the worst part of all of it. That's what made me stop drinking, was the bad comedy set. So then I've realized that, like, I've been doing open mics for nine years, and I've been wicked wasted at most of them. How much how much of my time was actually worthwhile? Like I love being on stage and that's like my whole juice oh no, and jazz. But if I'm not remembering what I'm doing, is it fucking worthwhile? Was True. it worth the time? True. And how much time have I been putting in and is it 
respective times for what I do. So now, sure. you know, I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna drink anymore around now. You know, I I feel the same way, but that same mentality kind of like enables me to do like 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 microdose, like like a MDMA and shit like that, because it's like so I can enjoy this even more. Yeah. Because like, the opposite of forgetting is just having like the most amazing time. Because I think you can't microdose anymore. You can't, and it's great. What I did like three nights ago, I was just watching eyelid movies, like just <laughs> closing my eyes and just watching shit. It's weird. I'm not thinking at all, and yet I'm watching like old West Town. I did the exact same. I Old West Town, Ferrari going down the street and shit, just watching it with amazing. See, so that that same mentality enables me to be like, this is good, but let's make it way better. Right. Well, and so and I like that, except that with alcohol, and I say let's make it way better. I I get slower. Maybe mm. other drugs will make me not. I've recognized now how fra- fast my brain tags things. Tags things. Like, when my brain thinks of one thing to another, like words in a sentence or mm. not saying, oh, my God, or remembering all of my jokes or everybody's name from the festival. All of those things mm. exist, and my brain just, like, zoop, 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 zoop. Like, I've barely been using lists, and I pretty much – everyone who's come through so far, I know their first and last name. That's crazy. He's got a good brain, I guess. He's got a good one. But, <laughs> I, but And I've just been <laughs> retarding it with <laughs> – <laughs> no, retard is a real word. It means to slow down. Retard. Uh, it's also okay. a musical term. To retard. To <laughs> you retard. You can only say that when you're talking about fire or... Um, no, yeah, I Yeah, that's about that's it. Fire no, retarded. I'm retar- <laughs> but I am. I'm retarding my own brain by using alcohol because I'm literally slowing it down. It's a depressant. I'm literally... And I've recognized that the next day, I've been waking up like, bing, I'm awake. La, la, la. My day is fine. La, la, la. And I used to be like... <laughs> okay, yeah. I have to have the coffee. Dream I have state. to have the water before the coffee because I might throw up the water. Okay, here we go. That was cold. That's okay. Yeah. Let's go with the coffee now. We're fine. And then I just – and if I'm doing radio, I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. But so I'm learning. Learning life lessons. The worst part about drugs is how you feel when you're not on them. Yes! I mean, oh. day after. So if you made the, is that a t-shirt? You should make that into a t-shirt. I should make that into a t-shirt. See, I, once again, I'm glad we got everything on tape because I didn't, I didn't rehearse that, but now it's on tape. Yeah. Now i got to write it down. Also, we had some crazy mind-blowing talk, to me at least, cause I, about fucking platonic chairs <laughs> tied into like we're too obsessed with our phones. You yeah. know, we got to get those classic, you know. Subgolby um, Tim is all about like – what people believe in or what makes them not kill themselves. I hate to, I hate to like bill it as that, but it's kind of like that. It's like, I want to ask people, why are you alive? Why are you still alive? Like whatever, what's working in your binaural beats playing and shit. You really get into it. I think it's, it's only, honestly, it's a lot of the music too. You just, you just zone out a little bit and get into this other space. It's the, uh, it's, it's called rhythm and noise. Rhythm and noise. Yeah. Yeah, there's Wrong. weird, there's weird shit back there. It's for like, like if you Alice start talking Coltrane. about Satan, like, let's <laughs> talk about hell. Yeah, we talked about heaven. That's the opposite end. So that's the other thing is that if we, if all thought is real and if the thought that we create is real and we have a heaven, then all these people we think about terrible things. So why don't we all, why don't we all think about good things all the time? Why are all these bad? Like I had an, I had a moment yesterday. Where I got a little crazy. Because I got a little disrespected on the internet, which isn't real, <laughs> which isn't, by the way, isn't real. And I, I had a little, I had a little tantrum. I had a little, I had a little tantrum. And then uh, a friend pointed out to me that I decided to calm the fuck down, but not in that way. Like it, you know, you don't tell a woman to ever call the, f- call mm. the fuck down, but you say maybe we should peer review this 
this <laughs> Facebook post before we post it to everybody in response to this action that you're <laughs> clearly overreacting on but don't have the vision to see that. But then why, like what are those, like there's all those good feelings, but then what about like frustration and anxiety and sadness and depression and, I mean, are they valid too? <laughs> yeah, everything's valid. We have uh, bad thoughts because not everything in our lives goes good. So if we prepare or think, um, pretend things are gonna go bad, then it's not as terrible because we set up the expectations of it being bad yeah and so that but then some people say expectations at all are bad that mm. we should never have any expectations i think however you react to your environment is perfectly natural because you're, <laughs> you're perfectly natural yeah we weren't raised in the right culture um and people in other countries have way less stress um and that's just the way they were brought up and they can Outside be in the modern world today and be perfectly functioning. But people who were raised in stress um, and it's just b bombarded by all the, all the, uh, the pressures of life in modern times is too much. Yeah, I, too much. I, I think, yeah, Back growing up in capitalism and just being raised with, like, ambitions and shit and not trying to get somewhere else from where you are is the biggest difference I see between people that are happier in like rural environments and, and, and or I guess quote. party sounds you know what time it is it's six o'clock it's time for happy hour here at mutiny radio the happiest of two hours of indoor comedy that's dirty and outdoor comedy that's clean it is time motherfuckers oh yeah we're gonna we're starting up this open mic right now Because it's six o'clock and it's time for everyone to take their chairs six feet apart. Look at that. Six feet distance from one another. Choose a chair that's six feet apart. Choose a choose a chair it's six feet apart. It's a new game. It's like it's like musical chairs, except that there's only a couple of them. So all the chairs are distanced six feet apart. Of course everyone's wearing masks. Of course they are listening audience. Why wouldn't they be? Uh, uh, there are unicorn cupcakes up at the front. If anybody needs sustenance, there is sugar at the front of the stage. You are welcome to take those. They are made by Hostess, not by me. So they have nothing in them except sugar. Yay, just sugar. There's no drugs in those at all. Yay. All right. Uh, Hey, Aaron, do a favor for me and throw me that list so that we can get started with this crazy open mic. Hell yeah. I looked through a book today of clean, I thought might, they might be clean jokes and thought about, all right, that's a list. That's relatively full and exciting. And uh, no, uh, we have to be clean outside at the seven o'clock show, but in here you can fuck swear all you want. You can talk about your dirty, dirty dick. You can talk about schmegma or Shmegma Farms. You can talk about uh, 
harvesting your vaginal yeast to have yeast to bake bread in these crazy COVID times. You talk about anything you want. Doesn't matter. Dirty, clean, whatever. We're inside. Yeah, sh- dip in your balls in schmaltz. Yeah, you could have some confit balls right there. We get we can get started on that. Hey, he's the first one up tonight. Thanks, everybody, for donating 2 to $5 for Mutiny Radio because, oh, my gosh, it's so expensive and COVID is crazy. And I didn't get that last grant. I just got a thing in the mail today. They're like, you did not get the grant. 4,000 people applied for oh, 75 spaces, and we don't give a fuck about Mutiny Radio. That's what the city told me. It's okay. No, they do. I'm sure they do. All right, but I give a fuck about all the comedians tonight. Uh, it's going to be four-minute sets at three minutes. You'll hear a horn. That means you have a minute left to wrap it up. Uh, and then also, if you're a new comedian, you can know what a minute feels like. That's kind of why I do it with the horn, because then you know. And it's radio, so everyone can hear you fuck up if you run the light. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Got my stopwatch going. Your first comedian. It's his first time here at Happy Hour, so you better clap your motherfucking hands together. Put them together for Thomas! Hello! Oh, I miss sports, everyone. I miss sports. Do any of you nerds uh, miss sports yourselves? No? No, I don't think you do, because you're at a Friday night independent radio comedy show. I'm going to go ahead and wager that uh, you're all you're all big nerds. But I miss sports a lot. I miss trash talk probably the most about sports. Grown men yelling aggressive things at point-blank range at each other's face. Where else is that sort of heralded, praised in society other than maybe Bravo Network or something like that? I've tried listening. T- I've tried watching uh, Real Housewives. It just doesn't quite do the trick for me. Quite honestly, there's always the threat of violence, but there's not enough violence, to be totally fair. Um, shout out to my Vickies out in the crowd, my Vitches. Any Vicky fans here? What a pioneer. I'm glad that nobody knows who the fuck she is. Okay, moving on. Um, some of my favorite trash talk is the things that athletes yell at each other that have just lost meaning over the years. Like if anyone does anything hype, anything in a stadium what are the first two words out of every fan's mouth every player's mouth let's go let's go y'all ready to go somewhere let's go where are we going fuck are we going it's the top of the first inning dad double play ball let's go Buzzer beater shot. Let's go! Girlfriend denies proposal of his of her boyfriend in front of 20,000 screaming fans. Let's go! You dodged a bullet, my dude. Another one that I really love is uh, uh, when people are trying to be like kind of intimidating, right? They just scored a touchdown or some shit. And they'll get up and they'll be like, I don't play no motherfucking games! You do, though. Do I have really bad news for you, sir? It's actually the only thing you do to survive and provide for your family. I don't play no motherfucking games. That's like if I went to my job and I at the restaurant and I had like a table and then I went to uh, drop the check and I was like, I don't care about people. 
Have a wonderful evening. <laughs> Bitch. Uh, I think I'm at the age where I can finally um, maybe work some shit talk into my daily routine within the confines of my life. I could just become like a little league coach, honestly. But then it's you're yelling at kids and they cry and they like run away and they get all quiet and then they need to impress you with their talent to make up for how bad they, okay, fine, you're, I've convinced myself. I think I will become a little league coach. I think that sounds pretty fun. Um, I'd like to finish uh, with uh, a few impressions, perhaps. Uh, a few things I've been working really hard on. Um, the first is uh, an impression of um, Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 uh, in the audience of a music festival. So this is Tom DeLonge looking in the audience of a music Where are you? <laughs> Thank you, that's it. Uh, another, another, uh, sorry, not that's it. There's one more, one more, uh, one, one more, uh, Impression I do before I go. This is Ryan Seacrest at Chipotle. Hi, I'll have a burrito. Uh, do you want uh, uh, black, uh, brown beans or, or white? Or, or do you want brown rice or white rice? I will not be having brown rice or white rice, please. I just want I just want beans. Thank you. That's all I want. Anyway, that's all. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, there we go. Thomas! Yay! Ryan Seacrest is absolutely rice. right. <laughs> no rice in the burrito. It's just filler. Don't have that. Why would you eat that? It's no flavor. It's dumb. Yay! Thomas! It looks like Gazamo, but I can't read without my glasses on. So clap your hands again together for Thomas! All right, your next comedian, uh, I met him outside yesterday, and he said, how do I sign up for the open mic? And I was like, well, just come by and feel unsafe and <laughs> sign up for the open mic. Uh, everyone's wearing their masks in here. We're, none of us are going to die. Everyone's under 40. Put your hands, except for me. Put your hands together for Aunt Rodriguez. Now you cut off. Okay, there we go. So I didn't know I was going to have four minutes today, so I'm just going to give you my Tinder profile real quick. Um, it's going to be short. It's going to be quick. It may be effective. So that's what I got today, all right? One joke. Um, things are changing around us, right? They really are. They're changing every day. And I grew up being a little bitch. I did. And I feared two things growing up, a Madagascar cockroach and rats. So the reason I grew up with them was because... We, didn't, we grew up in an area that wasn't gentrified yet. And now we're trying to grow up and just get this thing going. So I'd go into the bathroom, and I see this big-ass cockroach. So that means I wasn't going to brush my teeth for the whole day. That's just what happened, all right? So um, eventually I had to conquer this fear. And one thing I learned is that they're trying to brush their teeth, too. So I started getting a toothpick, got a little bristle, and I left them there. And they got the point, so now I have my little space, and they had theirs. And that's kind of what we had. Um, things changed after that. They did, because they stopped showing up. And that meant that 
they weren't in my neighborhood anymore. That means that I was going to get my ass kicked out really soon. And I kind of got the point when I, I, I couldn't be there anymore. So I had to move to San Francisco. And yeah. <laughs> so um, when I got out here, I kind of found them again. I think I found my crowd. So I think I'm sorry. This is all I had today. I, that was his first time ever doing comedy. Put your hands together again for Ann Rodriguez. His first time ever. Did you eat a unicorn cupcake? Is everyone afraid of the hostess unicorn cupcakes? Is that what's happening right now? They're, they they don't have pot in them. They're made by Hostess. Yay! Thanks, Thomas, for eating a weird little cup. Yay! Aunt's having a cupcake, too. There's nothing in them but Hostess. Usually there's marijuana inside them, but I couldn't put them in the packages. It's too difficult. Uh, all right, your next comedian. What a special uh, friend he is coming from all over the United States. Uh, and right now he's here for you. Put your hands together for Aaron Atkins. Yay! <laughs> it's supposed to be playing and it's thinking. Here it goes. I Our momentum is dead. All right. Hi, how's everybody doing? All right, let's see what... Um, I tried, I tried. It's all good. It's all <laughs> the one. All right, all right. Let's start out with something terrible. All right. Uh, so I was in Tacoma, Washington, right? Uh, and I, my, we were driving past the sports arena there. It's a big dome. It's called the Superdome. And my mom said to me, uh, Aaron, you know, your, your great uncle actually designed that building, it's called the Superdome. And I said, I'm sorry. Tell him that uh, I don't think it's super dumb. <laughs> Standing ovation. Did you guys? All right, um, what else do I have that's not funny? Uh, oh yeah, do you wanna hear my impression of women? Okay. I'm cold. Thank you. Um, women be cold, though. Am I right? Women be cold. All right, whatever. Fucking men in the room. Jeez. Freaking feminism ruining everything. Um, I'm going to say this one again because no one thought it was funny. Last time on my first day of public school, some fool was showing me around like all the basketball courts, and he was like, yeah, this is where we play basketball. And I was like, oh, for shizzle. He's like, you don't have to say that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll just say it on stage. What the hell is a dancery, too? She says dancery. Like, it's like 1800s in this saloon. Hateration, holleration. Um... So you guys know Jerry Seinfeld was dating a 17-year-old when he was 38? Everybody say boo. Everybody say boo. 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 I'm going to make fun of it. All right. You want to hear my impression? <laughs> you want to hear my impression of Jerry Seinfeld? <clears throat> All right. What's the deal with women? Always asking you to pick them up from school. Um, don't you just hate it when your girlfriend's parents are the same age as you? Um. I follow up that women joke. Uh, I hope no one's offended about my impression of women. Respect. I respect. 
That's how I, that's I respect women, so I just go around being like, respect. You're not a woman. Take that back. Respect. Um, let the record show that killed. Uh, thank you, sir. I'm actually very secure about my body. Uh, so I was in, when I was in rehab, I was in rehab. Nathan Lowe, everybody. That was a way better riff. I had nothing on my mind. I hate that shit. I hate it when literally anybody interrupts any show ever because I'm just like, I got <laughs> nothing funny about that. Just read it. That's what we're going to do. Just anytime. All right. Anyways, when I went to rehab, uh, people started like starting rumors for me, like rumors about me at school, school saying like, oh, he died. I was like, that unfortunately, no. I just wanted, like, I just wish I could have been there. Like, I wasn't sad that they like, made up rumors about me. I just said the rumors were so fucking lame, you know? Like, I wish I could have gone back and been like, Aaron has a dirt bike. And this dancer re-bang-bang-bang. All right, all right. Fuck Dr. Seuss. Yep. Fuck Dr. Seuss. I'm getting a phone call. I got a... A better comedian would answer that. I'm going to decline that because I don't have anything funny to say about it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I was in rehab. One of the guys I was in rehab with, he was like, we were in a group, and he was like, me? Why am I here? You want to know why I'm here? Because I'm a master manipulator. And we're like, apparently not, dude. Like, didn't you get expelled from Sarah Lawrence for saying the N-word to prove that it's still offensive? Like, obviously not. <laughs> Should I not? I, that was a confidentiality thing I just broke, but whatever. <laughs> um, God, okay. I'm going to do the greatest hits. All right. So I just watched a guy. If you know the word, sing along. I just, uh, I just, I, the other day I saw a guy get arrested trying to steal uh, frozen food from the Indian market. Yeah. Instant korma. Holleration, holleration in this dancery. Um, shit. Did I stay up a little bit too long after that one? I gotta end on a high note. Um, let me end on a high note. Let me end on a high note. Oh yeah, okay. Here, here, here. So I'm a t I'm a quarter Asian. All right, guys, it's time for another Sunday here at Mutiny Radio, starting off with Sexploration with Monica and The Edge of Insanity. Hey, I'm so excited to be here doing this, and I <laughs> may even, the excitement, be able to work a computer! Woohoo! Ah! <laughs> right on. So, um... <sighs> Hit that one hard. There you go. Come on. Uh, oh, you mean the microphone? No, or? I was talking to Brandon. Oh. Harder. Oh, you want to hit the mic? It's, I don't know if it's, it's 